G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Greek philosopher Socrates once said, you can bury me if you catch me, but don't call this poor body Socrates. He was right. We are far more than just our physical body. If we were just a body, then at death we would cease to be. But look at some of the words the New Testament uses to describe death. Paul referred to it as being unclothed. In that sense, the cemetery is just a cloakroom where we hang up our clothes, that is, our body at death, but we ourselves move on. Jesus referred to his death as his decease. That word means release or exodus or coming out of. In other words, at his death, his spirit would be released from his body. And Paul referred to death on another occasion as departure. He said, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. That word conjures up the idea of a ship at Quayside waiting for the anchor to be raised so that it could move out to the great sea. None of these words speak of cessation of being, but of leaving one environment and passing to another. As Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. Hello, Phil's my name, and today, author and pastor Ken Legg and I are talking about life after death. Thanks for joining us. And we've been looking at this subject particularly from the viewpoint of the believer. But, Ken, what about the person who doesn't believe in Christ? What happens to them after death? Yeah, that's a very serious and and a solemn question, Phil. Yesterday I shared that the intermediate place the believer goes to at death, awaiting the resurrection, is called paradise. Now, this is a Persian word meaning a king's garden. Now, in that Persian garden, there was a prison that the kings kept for their prisoners, you know. Mm. A prison, of course, is a place of segregation where you're separated from others. And the unbeliever at death will go there. It's a place for those who don't want God's presence now. Mm. Death is separation. Spiritual death is separation from God now. And eternal death is separation from God throughout eternity. That's why that's a you know serious subject that we're looking at here. Yes, indeed. And do you think the church has gone a bit soft on preaching about hell? Um, you know, maybe we've reacted to some of the reputation that the church has had in the past of preaching hellfire and brimstone, and nowadays you don't you don't really hear much about hell at all. I would agree with you, Phil. In fact, I would go a little bit further than that and say that uh, there are some even more alarming trends in the church today in that some of the timeless teachings of the Christian faith are now being challenged concerning what we're talking about here today. I know that over the past two or three centuries there have been liberal scholars that have denied many parts of the Word of God, but now, even within evangelical circles, some of the foundational doctrines of Christianity are being refuted. What sort of things are you talking about? Well, the doctrine of penal substitution is now seriously being challenged, that the purpose that Jesus died on the cross was to satisfy the justice of God in respect to sin. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. In the day that you eat 
of the forbidden fruit, Jesus, uh, God said rather, you will die. God is holy and has to respond to sin in accordance with his holy nature. So sin demands the forfeiture of life. Mm-hmm. And remember, the definition of death is separation from God now and from him eternally unless the justice of God is satisfied some way. And, and this is the wonder of grace and the gospel. God accepts a substitute. We see this illustrated in the Garden of Eden, for example, when uh, Adam and Eve partook of the forbidden fruit. Yep. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, but God said, not good enough. You know, an, an animal had to forfeit its life, and they were covered with the skins of animals. And then you read all the way through the Old Testament, and the sacrificial system is there preparing us for the day when God would give us his son, the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of of the world. That's mm. that's why we refer to the death of Christ as being a penal substitution. You know, the death of Jesus was penal because he paid the penalty for sins, which the, the justice of God demanded, but it was also a substitution because he died not for his own sins, but, but yes. for ours, yeah. you know. And, and this is what the apostles taught and the church fathers, the reformers and the great gospel preachers like John Wesley, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, Billy Graham and so on and so on. And I would think that it's pretty obvious when you read scripture as well that that is a core doctrine but you're saying it's being challenged even by evangelical christians how yeah well surprisingly in recent times opponents of this teaching have also come from as as you say bible believing christians um they argue that it's inconsistent with the Bible's portrayal of a loving God that's that's their argument um they say it's primitive it's a tribal concept of God uh depicting him as like angry and vindictive in fact, some people even have used the term, it's a form of cosmic child abuse, that God, a loving father, will put his son upon the cross. Now, these critics contend that the death of Christ had actually no Godward benefit. Sin, they say, is not an offense against the holiness of God that demands a death penalty. They say it's, it does nothing to God. It, it really just does stuff to us. The drunkard, for example, ruins his life and health. The lazy person... Uh, who won't work, ends up in poverty and ruin. Uh, One preacher put it this way, if I spend all my life eating at McDonald's, I'm going to end up being sick. (laughs) Sin, they say, brings its own punishment. The wages of sin is no more than the law of reaping and sowing. And this leads to another heresy that's gaining momentum in the church today, and that's the the heresy of universalism. Just explain that if you can. What what does that mean? Yeah, the, the doctrine of universalism basically teaches that Everyone gets saved in the end. God, a loving Father, wouldn't allow anyone to spend an eternity in hell. Mm. Basically, everyone gets saved. Now, of course, if that's the case, then why did Jesus die on the cross? What did he die for? If it's not to save us from our sins and give to us eternal life. And so the two are connected. Now, all this, of course, is related to our subject today. We're looking at the question, what happens to the unbeliever at death? Now, if the death of Jesus Christ was not a judgment for our sins, then there is no judgment awaiting those who are still unrepentant. Uh, But the Bible teaches that if we do not believe in Christ, we will die in our sin and bear its judgment. Uh, For example, Jesus said, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Now, that's just one of many Many scriptures that are very, very clear about that. This whole issue, though, of preaching about hell as opposed to grace, we need to have a balance there, don't we? Because um, you can hear a lot of one or the other, but we need to have a good understanding of 
what the judgment is in order to appreciate the grace, don't we? Yeah, in fact, we can only really understand grace in the context of judgment. You know, that's where it shines. Uh, the judgment that was due to us fell upon Jesus. It, mm-hmm. You know, pleased the Lord to bruise him. Uh, so that's where we find the grace of God. It's so amazing. It's so wonderful that the, the judgment that I should have borne, he bore in my place. But that judgment is what makes the mission to the church so urgent, isn't it? I mean, Jesus yeah. told us, you know, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Why? Why do we need to do it now? It's because of that coming judgment yeah. that is going to happen to all of us unless we have the grace of God covering it. Yeah. Phil, I don't know whether you've heard that story of um, the jester, the court jester, that um, you know used to entertain the king, and the king gave him this, this golden wand one day and said, I want you to travel my, my kingdom and find someone who is a greater fool than you. And give them that wand, you know. So he went on his journey, but while he was away, he heard that the king had fallen dangerously ill. So he, he, you know, he raced back to the the palace, and uh, uh, he came before the king and he said, "Did you did you find someone that was a greater fool than you?" He said, "No, I haven't." He said, "But but you, sir, what you know? What what is, what is happening to you?" He said, "Well, I'm going on a journey uh, from which I will never return." Of course, he was re- referring to the journey of death. Mm-hmm. And the, the jester said to him, and have you made preparations for this journey? He said, no, I haven't. And the jester said, well, then I'm afraid I must give you the wand, you know. Um, you know, death is certain. And the Bible says that after death comes the judgment. And that's why God has given to us this wonderful good news of the gospel, so that people can make preparation from that day, so that they will have no fear of death, knowing that their sins are forgiven. They have eternal life by believing in Jesus Christ. grappling with the subject we all need to consider is their life after death. We'll have more on this tomorrow. Until then, remember you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au That's vision.org.au